describe yourself to me in three words, what would you say this morning? I know every guy in here, tall, dark, handsome, right? Every, every, every man in here, because men, we're just, we're just different. Men, we walk past a mirror, and as we walk past a mirror, we look, we stop, you know, and we, we see what's in the mirror, and we go, hey, <laughs> you look good, right? Women are different. Women walk past the mirror, and they see all the flaws in themselves. They see, where, where, where did that wrinkle come from? Where, 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 where did that roll come from? What, what, what's going on with, under my eyes there? A man can have all that going on and have one thing right. And he'll look at the mirror and go, hey, you're a lucky woman. Right? Now you know what I'm talking about. That's how we are. But if I said describe to me yourself in three words, what would you say? Some people say I'm outgoing, I'm shy, I'm reserved. Some people, they'll use life situations I'm taken, I'm single, I'm divorced, it's complicated, you know. But how would you describe yourself to somebody? Here's why I ask, because whether we realize it or not, labels are powerful. Labels are powerful. I began to learn this in the fifth grade. It was early 1990s. (laughs) Some of you are like, I wasn't even born yet. Yeah, good luck. Everybody had these shoes that just come out. They'd been around a while, but they just made it to southeast Oklahoma because, you know, and they were called Nikes. And everybody in my class had these Nikes. And everybody who played basketball had these Nikes. And my parents would not buy me Nikes. I can specifically hear my dad saying back then, I'm not paying $60 for a pair of shoes. Now we're like, $60 shoes, that's a deal. Right? But back then, I'm not paying 60 bucks for a pair of shoes. And there was this pair of shoes called Voits. Anybody know what Voits are? Anyone ever heard of Voits? Oh, that was the stuff, baby. Voits, man, that was classic. That was classic. And so they had these Voits. Voits were about 20 bucks. Sometimes you can even get them at Walmart. And they were $20. And I brought that pair of Voits home that my parents bought me. Everybody else had their knockies, had the switch going on. That was back in the day. How many of y'all remember British Knights? Anybody remember that? Those were popular. And, but I, I brought my voice home. They were just plain white voice. Looked like something my grandpa would wear, right? With socks up to here. That's how he would dress. And so I brought home these voice. And late one night, I grabbed a Sharpie. Oh, yeah. You know where I'm going. And to the best of my ability, I drew a Nike swish on the side of my voice. Now, back in those days, MC Hammer was going on. Come on, you're too legit to quit. And so the popular thing in those days was parachute pants. Y'all remember parachute pants? By the way, they're making a comeback, Mom and Dad. Oh, yeah, all that stuff that's in my closet that Jenny said, you're never going to, oh, I'm about to be in style, right? (laughs) Oh, oh, oh. And so... (laughs) so I took my parachute pants my MC Hammer pants and I would lace them over the top of that Nike swoosh in such a way that you could just see the end of the swoosh but you couldn't see the whole thing so people walking by they they would think he's got Nikes on he's got Nikes why? because even in the fifth grade I began to understand that labels meant 
something. Whether we like it or not, each and every one of us carry around labels in life. I used to be Jared. Now I'm JD's dad or Jaxie's dad or Josie's dad. No one has a clue what my name is. I'm just their dad. And that's, that's cool. I can handle that. But here's the problem ultimately with labels. If you wear a label too long, it stops describing your past, and it begins determining your future. That's a good place to say amen. The longer you wear a label, the more it stops describing your past, and the more it begins determining your future. There was a study done with a group of students, and these researchers, they determined that if you take a child who's in school, and you label them, and you put them in a class full of slow learners, but nothing changes. None of the curriculum, you don't change the way you teach them, you don't change the curriculum they use, you don't change home life, nothing else changes, but you just put the label on them. Their school performance will actually decrease if they're aware of that label. If you take that same child and you label them advanced and nothing changes, teaching does not change, curriculum doesn't change, performance will actually increase because of the label that you've placed upon them. It's powerful. We also have learned from studies that if you label someone a Pentecostal, they'll instantly crave fried chicken. (laughs) Come on, somebody. Here's how that looks for you and me. If I feel labeled as a failure, maybe because of what's happened in school, what's happened on the team, what's happened at my job, what's happened in a relationship, but I feel that label as a failure, if I feel like that, then I'm afraid to try something new. Because if I try something new and it doesn't work out, then it just confirms what I've been labeled, which is I feel like a failure. And now I feel even more like a failure. And so right now we have a generation that's growing up that we have labeled good at everything. Come on, somebody. And we have a generation that is paralyzed with fear because they're afraid that if they actually do attempt and do try and do step out and they fail, they're not living up to the label. We have done a disservice to this generation. We have done a disservice to this group of young people. And and, and, and these labels, these labels are powerful. Now, the problem with these labels is this. The longer we wear them, the less it describes our past, the more it determines our future. Yet the good news for you and me is that not only is Jesus the label breaker, Jesus is the label maker. Come on, somebody. You can put your hands together for that. That's worth clapping about. He says you're an overcomer. Two of us, great. He says you're more than a conqueror. He said you're the head, not the tail. You're above and not below. He said you were created with good purpose in mind, that you were made to prosper, that you were made righteous, that you were made to join heir with Jesus Christ. Jesus is the label maker. And this morning, he wants to reshuffle some things in our life. And what I want to do is I want to come from a passage in Mark chapter 2, 1 through 2. Excuse me, 1 through 12. Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. Let me read now the NIV. Kevin, if you'll go ahead and throw that on the screen. Perfect. It says, a few days later, when Jesus again entered into Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. And they gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man carried 
by four of them. Next slide. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging, by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was laying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now, some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. How can, who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that, he, that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, Why are you thinking these things? Which is easier, to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take up your mat, and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sin. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take up your mat, and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. This is a story primarily about two people. It's about Jesus and it's about another person. And we're not given this other person's name. And stories are just so much better if you have their name. So we're going to call this guy Larry. All right? So this is the story of Jesus, and this is the story of Larry. Here's what's going on. Jesus was the hottest ticket in town in Mark chapter 2. Anywhere he went, there was this huge crowd, and they would, they would show up. It was like the Super Bowl of the day. Jesus, huge crowds followed him. You couldn't get a ticket to hear Jesus preach. Now, there was a problem. Larry needed to get to Jesus. You see, Larry, the only thing we're really told about him is that he was paralyzed, which means he was, uh, anybody that would have understood a label, if anybody understands what, what labels do to a person, it's, it's Larry. Because in that day and time, if you had a physical deformity or a physical, some type of disability, it was assumed that you or your family had done something to deserve that. So you carried the label of being a bad person or your family being a bad family, whether you deserve that label or not. If anybody understood what we feel like by being labeled, it's Larry. Yet fortunately, Larry had some friends. Thank God for friends. And these friends thought this. If we can just get Larry to Jesus, we can't heal Larry. But if we can just get him to Jesus, maybe Jesus can do something with Larry. So they get Larry, and they carry him to the place where Jesus is at. But they can't get inside. And so they get creative. They take Larry on his mat, and they take him up to the roof. They dig a hole in the roof, and they lower Larry down until he's laying there in front of Jesus, in front of the crowd of people. And here's what the Bible says in Mark chapter 2, verse 5. It says, Jesus' actions, as he's seeing this, Jesus says, seeing their faith. Jesus said this, seeing their faith. Seeing, who, seeing whose faith? Seeing whose faith? Seeing the friend's faith. See, that's not what I expected to read. What you expect to read is seeing his faith, seeing Larry's faith, seeing the faith that Larry came with. But you don't see that. You see Jesus says, seeing their faith, seeing their faith. Who's he talking about? He's talking about Larry's friends. He's talking about the guys that are there in front of him. Why? Because seeing their faith, because the faith of those people around you, the faith of those who you surround yourself with, the faith of those people matter in your life. It matters. Friends are like buttons on an elevator. They can either take you up or they can bring you down. Come on, somebody. You can say it like this. 
Your friends are either carrying you closer to Jesus or they're carrying you further away from Jesus. And yourself as a friend of someone else, you are doing the same thing with your life. You're either carrying someone closer to Jesus or you're bringing someone away from Jesus. Your friends are like a mirror and you will begin to look like the very attitudes that you surround yourself with. Someone say amen. That's good stuff, good preaching. Thank you so much. You don't have to be ungodly to have your life mess up spiritually. You just have to be around, allow someone to get up close who is. Woo! They decided if we can just get him to Jesus, if we can carry him to Jesus, maybe he can do something. Listen, transformation does not happen in isolation. Oh, tweet that. Transformation does not happen in isolation. It happens in community. That's why we're doing the community groups tonight. That's why we're bringing them back. Because we need to be a part of something. Listen, we have fun. No doubt about it. On Friday nights during rib dinners, we have fun. We leave here. We're dog tired. We put in two full days. But we have a lot of fun in that kitchen. We eat a lot of food in that kitchen. It's a good thing. It's a good day. It keeps Weight Watchers in check. It's all good. You go up, you go down. You go up, you go down. You go up. My, my diet's like a roller coaster. 10 pounds down, 12 pounds up, right? It's all good. It keeps me going. But where was I going with that? I have no idea. But we, we, we come together. We work together. And that's great. And that's awesome. And that's what a family does. But there's got to be times that we just come together without the hassle of work, without the hassle. Uh, and I would say hassle. That's the wrong word. With, without the responsibility of having to work, without the responsibility of having to serve, but the responsibility of just growing together. Yes. And so that's why we do these community groups. That's why these are so important. That's why we're, we're stressing get involved in the community. It's just once a month. We'll do it tonight, and then next month in October, November, December, January, February, March, April, May, we'll do it the first Sunday night of the month. That's it, just one time a month. And we're asking you to devote yourself to that, and let's grow together. Why? Because we're better together. We're better together. God did not create us to be lone rangers. He even gave him a tonto. Come on, somebody. The transformation does not happen in isolation. It happens in community. No one succeeds alone. You see a turtle up on a fence post, he did not get there by himself. That's good. Nobody succeeds alone. Friends will all be different. I've got lots of different friends in my life. I've got some that correct me. That'd be Carolyn. <laughs> See, she's doing it right now. <laughs> I'm just messing. We got. <laughs> um, nah. Some friends correct you, others direct you. Some encourage you, some challenge you. Some make you think, others make you feel. Whoever these friends are in your life, be aware of the, of the effect they have on your life. Be aware of the effect they have on your relationship with God. There's no such thing. I tell our students this. I tell my kids this. I tell, I tell adults this. I will, I will. <laughs> There's no such thing as a neutral friendship. I don't think the back heard me because they're just staring at me. 
There's no such thing as a neutral friendship. Two people walking together in life, there's no such thing as a neutral. They're either carrying you this way or they're carrying you that way. You're either carrying them this way or, or you're carrying them that way. There's no such thing as a, neutral, as a neutral friendship. There's no such thing. Your success in God and your success in life will largely depend upon the collection of relationships that you've chosen to surround yourself with. I can take you to the jail cells all across the state. I can take you to the penitentiary. Cause, why? Because we've done it. We've been there. We've done jail ministry. And I can take you to those places. I can take you to Creek County where, where we got to be in, in that in jail ministry a lot when we were pastoring over there. And you ask those guys, okay, how did this start? And nearly 99.9% will say, well, me and this friend. I was, I was with this friend, and this is what happened. I was with, why? Because no one really does it alone. There's no such thing as a neutral, neutral friendship. We need good friends, and we need to be a good friend. We need encouragement, and we need to be an encouragement. That's who God made us to be. Now, I'm going to go real short. I know there's a lot more needs to be said. But I want to get to this. As I started studying this passage of Scripture, those four friends that brought this paralyzed man to Jesus, this past week, after I got done at Stillwater, I flew to Israel to do some study and some research. You didn't know that, did you? It was a fast plane. My family didn't even know I was gone. See, this is why you don't trust me, because of stuff like this. <laughs> but I went to Israel via the Internet. And I got to doing some research. And we actually found these four friends. We found out who they were. We found out their names. And this morning, this is a revelation that only God has given me. <laughs> Be aware when people say that. But we know these four guys. And so this morning as I close, I want to introduce you to these four men who carried their friend to Jesus. The first guy, they just called him Comb. His real name was called Compassion. But they just called him Comb. Because Compassion is not a real good manly name. And he saw a friend, Compassion did. He saw a friend, he saw a teammate, he saw someone at work who was in need. And he knew he could help. I want you to see what Compassion did and what Compassion didn't do. What Compassion didn't do is he wasn't critical of the paralyzed man's situation. Compassion didn't say, oh man, it's your own fault. It's because you made these dumb decisions in your life that you are the way you are. That's why why you're laying where you're laying. You deserve this. No, compassion didn't say that at all. This friend of compassion, man, this friend of compassion, young people, this friend of compassion sees the girl or the boy that's sitting at the cafeteria table all by themselves, and maybe they've got marks across their their wrists and their arms for where they've been cutting and where they've been hurting, and, and compassion walks over, and compassion says, hey, can I sit here? 
Compassion sees the young man who's, who's tore up because mom and dad have decided to separate and tearing him apart. And Compassion doesn't just walk by. Compassion stops and Compassion says, hey, is there anything I can do? Can, can we talk about this? Can, can, is there anything that I can help you with in your life? Compassion doesn't just see a need. Compassion says, I'm going to do something about it. And so you got one man carrying the corner of this paralyzed man's mat, and his name was Compassion. The second man, I come across his name. They called him Deets. But his full name was Determination. See, some Bible commentaries say that this trip where they carried this man was 8 to 12 miles long. It wasn't a block or two. 8 to 12 miles long. They didn't just leave their friend behind. They didn't have to, but they wanted to. There's got to be a desire and a drive to our determination. Once you create the desire, your heart creates the want to. And once you have the want to, the have to kicks in. And so there's this determination and there's this compassion. And then I come across this other friend and, and they, they just called him Pete, but his real name was Persistence. There was no doubt that they were tired from carrying that mat. Eight to 12 miles, man, that, that's a long time carrying a mat. There's no doubt they were tired carrying the mat of their friend, but they pressed on. There was no doubt that they were taken back when they saw the crowd of people, but they pressed on. There was no doubt that in their mind, there was no doubt that Jesus was the answer that they needed for their friend. There was no doubt that he could do what he said that he could do, and so they pressed on. And I'm telling you this morning, there's going to be roadblocks, and there's going to be things in your life. There's going to be things that come up in your life, but I'm challenging you, Elm Grove Community Church, I'm telling you, you've got to get some persistence in your life. You've got to get some peat in your life, and you've got to press on. You've got to keep going. When everything feels like it's down, and out and giving up and the enemy says throw in the towel and give up no you guys I'm not giving up I'm going forward I'm pressing on Jesus didn't bring me to this did not bring me through this he's given me the power the will and the want to and because I got persistence and because I got compassion and because I got all these things in my life I'm moving on and I'm pressing on You might be detoured, you might be delayed, but you're not denied. Press on. Calm down. (laughs) And then friend number four, ran across him too, found him on Facebook. His name was Faith. The Bible says Jesus saw their faith. Jesus saw their faith. He saw the friend's faith. Like Peter and John walking by the lame man, lying at the gate. They said, silver and gold have we none, but such we have. We get unto thee in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Seeing their faith. I think it would be safe to say that these friends had heard that Jesus was a healer. Or maybe they had experienced his healing touch in their life themselves. But somehow, some way, they had faith. They had raising the roof, tearing it up, digging it down, getting them down to Jesus Christ's faith. Man, that's the kind of faith I want to have. It was their faith that made a difference. And your faith will make a difference. Not only in your life, your faith will make a difference in the people around you. We displayed that this morning with Trevor and with Fallon. Their faith will make a difference in no one's life. This family, the whole of the family that was gathered up here this morning, all of the fam- that faith will make a difference in, the, in that young man's life. Right. Your faith will make a difference. Your dedication, your persistence reflect your faith. Yeah. See, if just compassion had a corner and just compassion, they wouldn't have made it. If it was just determination was holding a corner, they wouldn't have made it. 
If it was just persistence holding the corner, they wouldn't have made it. If it was just faith holding the corner, they wouldn't have made it. It took all four lifting as one to get the job done. They all looked at each other and said, you know what, compassion, you know what, determination, you know what, persistence, you know what, faith. We are better together. And that's what we're here to say to the Elm Grove body this morning. We all bring different gifts and talents and abilities to the house of God. But when we see a brother or sister hurting and in need, it's all of our job and all of our responsibility through Christ to pick up a corner of the mat and say, we're not letting you go. We're not letting you down. We're not going to leave you behind. We will carry you to Jesus. I thank God because I have people in my life that carried me to Jesus. When I didn't want a relationship with him, when I was struggling with my relationship with him, when I wanted to give up on my relationship with him, I had people that got down into the grub worm of my life, and they took me, and they took up a piece of the mat, and they carried me on, and they said, we're not leaving you behind. And because I had people like that in my life, I want to be like that in someone else's life. And I know you do as well. Compassion, determination, persistence, and faith. They all four picked up the corner and carried their friend to Jesus Christ. Now I'm challenging you. Look at your school. Look at your job. Look at your community. Look at your friends. Look on them with compassion, with determination. Look on them with persistence. Look on them with faith. Obstacles are going to come. Roadblocks are going to set up. But leave no doubt in their mind. (laughs) We're not leaving you behind. We're better together. If there's one thing I could shout from Elm Grove, from the country to the city of Sealing and Chester and and Fairview and and Moreland and Sharon and Mutual and and all those other places that don't have a Brahms. (laughs) That desperately need one in the name of Jesus. There's one thing that I could shout on behalf of Elm Grove. We're not leaving you behind. We're not leaving you behind. I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know what struggles you've come out of, and I don't know what's tearing you apart. I don't know whatever the people have labeled you, but I know a man who is a label breaker and a label maker. We're not leaving you behind. We're not leaving you behind, Ceiling. We're not leaving you behind, Chester. Moreland, we're not leaving you behind. Bouse Junction, we're not leaving you behind. We've been placed in this area. We've been placed in this community. We've been placed in this country. We've been placed in this wheat field for such a time as this. And God is raising us up to shout to our area, we will not leave you behind. Reminds me of that movie, we will not go silently into the night. We will not vanish without a fight. This today is your Independence Day. Go kill the aliens, right? (laughs) Yes! (laughs) a lot of people say I look like Will Smith I understand (laughs) just a little different but I understand stand to your feet so I'll shut up you need a strong family in your life and you need to be a part of a strong family in someone else's life that's why Elm Grove exists. To extend the grace and the love of Jesus Christ. And to extend to this area the, know, the knowing. We're not leaving you out and we're not leaving you behind. With every head bowed and every eye closed in here this morning. 
maybe some of you in here this morning, maybe you still identify with the paralyzed man. The labels that's been placed upon you. Well, that's so-and-so. You know her. You read through the Bible and in the Word of God, there's just there's a lot of times when we're not told people's names, but we're told their issues. The woman with the issue of blood, the paralyzed man, we're told their issues. And maybe in a certain group or certain community, you feel like more people know you by your issue, by your struggle, by your pain, or by your hurt, than they do who you really are. We wear those labels. Maybe you feel like people know you by your past. This morning, man, you ain't got to wear that label any longer. That's not who you are. It's who I was, but it's not who I am. It's definitely not who I'm going to be. I'm pressing on to something great. So maybe you're here this morning, you identify with that man. The labels have been placed around you. I just want to ask you if you would. And you're here to say, Jared, will you just pray with me? Jesus just does a work in my heart and in my life. And he breaks this label. I want, I want this label broken and I want a new label. Brand new label. He gives you something better than a label. He gives you an identity. That's better than a label. So this morning, that's you. Come on, will you just slip your hand up right now on the count of three? One, two, three. Yeah, yeah, yes. Yes, thank you. Praise your name. Father, in the name of Jesus. You see every hand that was raised. God, you see every person that says, I just feel labeled, and I'm done with it. God, I want out of it. I want to come up out of this mess. And God, I want you to create in me a new thought, a new heart, a new mind. God, create in me, God, a newness. God, that I would not walk in what I've been labeled, that this label would not determine my future. Because right now, Jesus, break it off of my life. I won't respond to it. I won't let the enemy play that mind game with me with it. God, today, I've been made brand new. And so, Father, I ask your blessing upon each hand that was raised. I ask God that they would leave and they would go out of this place knowing that they're not who others say they are, but they've been defined and identified by the Son of God, by the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. And Father, this morning, may they embrace the label with which he has placed upon their life and may they embrace the identity with which he has bestowed upon them through his death, burial, and resurrection. Father, I thank you today. And we ask it in the mighty name of Jesus. Still with every head bowed and every eye closed, one more call. Elm Grove family, you're here this morning. And you would say, I'm going to be part of that Matt carrying crew. I'm going to carry with persistence. I'm going to carry with compassion. 
I'm going to carry with determination. And I'm going to carry with faith. You're going to be part of that Matt Carrigan crew. Maybe this is your first time here. Maybe this is your first time here in a long time. That's cool. You were brought here today to hear this. You're a part of this family. We need you. We need you to take up a corner. We need you to, to, to the determination. We need that persistence. We need that faith. And we need that compassion at work in our midst. So you're here this morning to say, Pastor Jared, count me in. I'm part of the Matt Carrion crew at Elm Grove. Count me in. We're not leaving this community behind. We're not leaving this area behind. We're going to take up the mats of the lost, of the hurting, of the broken, of the downtrodden, of those who need help in Jesus. And we're going to carry them to him. And if we get there and there's crowds in our way, we will find a way. We will not let a detour, delay, deny us from who we came to see. We came to bring them to Jesus. Matt Carrion crew, man, will you raise your hand right now? I'm going to be part of that Matt Carrion crew, yeah. Bring my ever, ever, ever hand. Man, I hope ever hand's a part of this. I'm going to be part of that Matt Carrion crew. Father, you see every hand that was raised. God, count us in. Count us in. God, we're a part of it. We'll walk with compassion. We'll walk with determination. We'll walk with persistence. And we'll walk with faith. We will be part of the Matt Carrion crew because we realize and we recognize that we are better together. And Father, we need the gifts and the talents and the abilities of each and every one in this building today, God, to bring more into the kingdom of God. So Father, for those hands that were raised, speak to us. God, lead us and guide us and direct us and count us in. We will do what you say to do. We will go where you say to go, and we will be who you call us to be. We're part of the Matt Carrying crew, this Elm Grove Community Church. Count us in for our community. And God, we thank you for it. We ask your blessing today in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen.